Shalom. My name is Adam, and I welcome you to the parable of the vineyard. Every day, Yahuwah is waking up a remnant, a group of people who are coming out of deceptions, realizing our walk is to consist of faith and obedience to His righteous commands. Each week, we read through and examine a portion of the Torah, allowing the Spirit of the Most High to guide, teach, and open our eyes and ears to the wondrous matters out of His law. Join us as we seek to be refined by His Word, preparing ourselves for the return of our King of Kings, being faithful and obedient, walking in His way, truth, and life. Shabbat Shalom and welcome back, brothers and sisters. Welcome to the Parable of the Vineyard YouTube live stream of our Torah portion reading. This is week 20, which covers Exodus 27, 20 through 30, verse 10. A couple things to talk about today. The high priests, the garments, uh, the, st the stones on the breastplate, uh, the names of the children of Israel on the shoulders, and how really how it relates to Messiah. This is a really, if, if you kind of like Messiah... I think you'll kind of like this Torah portion. Um, there's a lot to compare uh, with what's here in Exodus, with what our Messiah has done, is still doing, and what will he will do for us. So uh, with that, let's start in prayer, and then we'll do Shofar Blast, and then we'll get into the Word. Let's bow our hearts. Father Yahuwah Most High, we just come before you, and we just thank you again, oh yeah, thank you for uh, this rest. Thank you for this week, whether it was... Uh, pleasant, whether it was challenging, um, whatever it was, Father, we just thank you for it. We, we love you for the good. We love you for the hard times, too. And, Father, we just ask that you would bless this this day of rest, that you would meet us, O Yah, on this most appointed, uh, special appointed day. And uh, we just ask that your Ruach HaKodesh would guide us in studying your word, that we can be faithful hearers and doers. And we just thank you. We know all this is possible by uh, your son, his testimony, his preaching, uh, and his offering up of himself for us. In Yahusha's name, we do uh, bless you and praise you. Amen. Hallelujah. Shabbat Shalom. Best day of the week, eh? All right, let's do Shofar Blast. I'm going to do Road Shofar. You get your Shofars ready wherever you're at. And let's uh, let's do it. So here we are at Exodus 2720. Uh, we are reading from the Sefer version, but as you know, we like to read from a lot of different versions. Um, I'm of the mindset that there is no perfect English translation. I think there's a lot of good efforts. I think the Sefer is a good one. Uh, there's other good ones too. Um, I think Yahweh's placed us in a time today where we have... Um, you know, books like the Sefer, the Scriptures, the TS-2009, uh, all these different versions from the Masoretic. We get to read the Septuagint, and we can get to read the, the Aramaic. Um, the, there's the Sumerian Pentateuch. You know, so there's so many different things that we can just glean from. And I, I just, I'm, I'm, a th I'm thankful to be an, a, alive in a time like this where, I mean, you can say what you want about the Internet, but let's be honest, it allows us to study like no one else has in, in times past. 
I mean, the kind of studies we can do in just a couple hours would have taken months, maybe even years, eh, months. Anyways, it's, it's, if you love the word, this is a great time to be alive. So let's, uh, enough uh, from me. Let's get into it. Exodus twenty-seven twenty, And you shall command the children of Yashorel that they bring you pure olive oil beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn always. And in the tabernacle of the assembly without the veil, which is before the testimony, Aharon and his sons shall order it from evening to morning before Yahuwah. It shall be a statute forever unto their generations on behalf of the children of Yashorel. So we just had two verses in chapter 27, but two very important and powerful verses, I may say. Um, this really goes hand in hand with um, the wise and the foolish virgins. Um, we're not going to go through this. This is an article uh, that I wrote a couple years ago. I did a video attached to it. Um, I, I keep saying I really want to redo this because I feel um, there's a lot more to include in this, but it gives you a basic premise. And, and, and the reason I'm bringing this up is because this passage here, these two passages, uh, or actually specifically this one right here, is incredibly important uh, to understand what's going on in the, uh, the story of the wise and the foolish. Uh, and just to show you real quickly... Uh, it says, Then shall the kingdom of Yahuwah be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps, right? And we have key words like lamps, wise, foolish, oil, lamps again. Uh, and, and so, um, buy and sell. These are very important terms for us to understand, really deciphering by the word and not by um, our own interpretations. The scripture literally interprets this for us. Um, the scriptures are, if you didn't know, is also a, a dictionary in those sorts. Whereas you can define words by the scriptures themselves. So just for example, um, if we want to know like the lamp, right? Let's go here. Um, Proverbs 6.23, it says, For the commandment is a lamp and the Torah is light. And so we know that, that when you have a lamp and you put oil in it and you light it, light comes out. That light uh, represents the Torah. We, right here, Revelation one twenty, right here, it says, and the seven candlesticks which you saw are the seven assemblies. So that literally represents Yah's people. So it's like, okay, well, then you look at other things like Psalm 18.28, for you will light my candle. Yahweh, my Elohim, will enlighten my darkness. We saw Proverbs 6.23, the commandment's a lamp, the Torah is light. Song of Solomon, because of the savor of your good ointments. Actually, the word here is shemen, which means oil. Because of the savor of your good oil, your name is as oil poured forth. Therefore, do the virgins love you? And so, like you're like, okay, does this does this relate to uh, the um, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins? I believe. And then we saw in the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, it says, um, you know, go and buy, and, uh, sell, and buy for yourselves. Uh, but of course, it says, you know, they weren't able to sell it because it says here, Proverbs 23, 23, buy the truth, which is the Torah, and sell it not. Also, wisdom and instruction and understanding. We can't sell it. Like, I can't give you um, the obedience to the Torah. You, That's something that you've got to do on your own. We each do. We can obviously share wisdom of the, the Torah with each other. And that's the difference between a hearer and a doer of the word. It, we're supposed to be hearers and doers. So you can sit here and hear all about the Torah all you want, but if you're not walking it out yourself and actually doing it, then it's for naught. 
And so anyways, it, it, I'll try to make sure I leave a link for this. If you want to take a look at this, uh, the wise and foolish virgins, um, I'll have the article here. And I, and I think there's a video somewhere. You probably just search like parable of the vineyard, wise or foolish. It'll come up. But anyways, so oil for the lamp. So the children of Israel are supposed to bring that oil because how can the lamps continue to burn that light unless the children of Israel bring that, that olive oil? And if you didn't know, it's a pretty brutal process to get that oil out. You have to crush the olives to get the oil out, literally be pressed and crushed. Well, and we, I think a lot of us are seeing that that's kind of what this walk is like. It's crushing. It's pressing. But that oil comes out, and that oil goes into the lamp and for the light, for the light of the Torah to be burning in our hearts continually. So, all right, uh, short chapter, just two verses in that one. Let's go on to Exodus 28. A lot of, a lot of good stuff here. You may just think, okay, well, we're going to read about the priest garments, so what? No, there's actually some really cool things here. Um, if, if you uh, remember last year, you probably remember these things, but uh, for those of you that are new, you're, hopefully you're like, whoa. Hopefully learn something. Anyways, Exodus 28, 1. And take unto you Aharon your brother and his sons with him from among the children of Yashorel, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office, even Aharon, Nadab, Abihu, Eleazar, and Ithamar, Aharon's sons. And ye shall make holy garments for Aharon your brother for glory and for beauty. I, uh, I don't know about you. I think these robes look awesome now as we'll learn a little bit later everything that is made the the tabernacle the altar um you know the the everything the the garments everything is a copy from what's in the heavens so uh do any of these depictions even get close i don't know i think i have to think that like it's even more dazzling but even looking at this i'm just gonna be honest i think that looks awesome and, you know, Yahusha, he's our high, high priest now, of course. I think he may come down with something like this. Um, but, of course, it's going to be dipped in blood, as we see when he comes back, you know, treading the wine press. But I don't know. I think this just looks awesome. But who knows how awesome it actually really looks. But it says here, you shall make the garments for Aharon, your brother, for glory and for beauty. It's supposed to be attractive to the eye. Like, wow, there's the high priest. Awesome. Let's keep going. And so back to Exodus 28.3. And you shall speak unto all that are wise-hearted, whom I have filled with the Ruach Chokmah, the spirit of wisdom, that they make they may make Ahron's garments to consecrate him, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And these are the garments which they shall make, a breastplate, and an ephod, and a robe, an embroidered coat, and a turban, and a belt, and they shall make holy garments for Aharon, your brother, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So again, here we'll see <clears throat> the different things. You have the ephod. You have the robe of the ephod. You have the fine linen tunic. Uh, the gemstones we'll get to in a minute. The breastplate we just mentioned. And the crown. A lot of different depictions of all these. The robe, you kind of see some similar things, but the crown is always very different. And it actually doesn't have the imprint of uh, Kodesh to Yahuwah. But anyways, just to give you an idea, I'm sure none of these um, illustrations are, are perfect, but just to give you an idea. <clears throat> Sorry. Exodus 25. And they shall take the gold 
and blue and purple and scarlet and fine linen. And they shall make the ephod of gold, of blue, and of purple, of scarlet, and of fine twine linen, with cunning work. It shall have the two shoulder pieces thereof joined at the two edges thereof, and so it shall be joined together. And the belt of the ephod, which is upon it, shall be of the same, according to the work thereof, even of gold, of blue, and of purple, and scarlet, and fine twine linen. And ye shall take two onyx stones, and engrave on them the names of the children of Yashorel. Six of their names on one stone, and the other six names of the rest on the other stone, according to their birth. With the work of an engraver in stone, like the engravings of a signet, shall you engrave the two stones. With the names of the children of Yashorel, you shall make them to be set in altars of gold. And you shall put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for stones of memorial unto the children of Yashorel. And Aharon shall bear their names before Yahuwah upon his two shoulders for a memorial. Let's pause there. Uh, so what that's talking about is right here. Okay, I can't zoom any more now. Maybe I can do my own zoomy zoom. Nope, it won't let me. Okay, so anyways, these are the, the two stones right here. Well, it's supposed to be stones. It's showing kind of just all gold. But anyways, the, the point is, is on his two shoulders, you have the six names of, uh, of of six of the tribes here and six over here. So basically, the, the names of the tribes are on his shoulders. And it actually says right here, it says, an Aharon shall bear the names of before Yahweh. So if like you have, it's like you have like a like a heavy backpack you put on your shoulders and you're bearing that backpack. You're holding up the weight. You're lifting it up, right? And so the high priest Ahron shall bear the names before Yahweh upon his two shoulders for a memorial. And we know that again everything is just a copy of what's in heaven. So who's our high priest now? Is it of the line of Aaron? Well, uh, that's a debatable topic. Um you know, it says clearly the Messiah is from the tribe of Judah, but if you take into consideration all the prophecies through the 12 patriarchs, it does look like Messiah would be of the lineage of Judah and of, um, of, of the sons of Aaron, which would make sense because he is a king and a priest, and so he would come from the kingly line and the priestly line. But the point is, is that Messiah is our high priest right now uh, and forever. And so think about that for a second. If he's bearing the names of the children of Israel on his shoulders, it's kind of special. Um, and, and we can actually read some scriptures where, <clears throat> I mean, he just tells us that he bears us. He carries us. Isaiah 46, 3 through 5. Hearken unto me, O house of Jacob. So listen to me. And all the remnant of the house of Israel, which are born by me from the belly, which are carried from the womb. And even to your old age, I am he. And even to your hoar hairs, your gray hairs, will I carry you. I have made... And I will bear, even I will carry, and I will deliver you. To whom will you liken me, and make me equal, and compare me, that we may be like? Anyways, the point is here is that he's saying right now, I, I've, I've been there with you from the moment you were born, and I'm going to be with you until your old age. I, I don't know. I just find that really special. I, I just I think of just how much he loves us, and, and how he just... he. He carries us. He bears us. Isaiah 63, 1 through 9. This is all about Messiah. Who is this that comes from Edom with dyed garments from Basra? This that is glorious in his apparel. Remember I was saying earlier that, you know, Yahusha's going to have some awesome apparel. Traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Wherefore, why are you red in your apparel? 
and your garments like him that treads the wine fat. So why is there garments full of like red blood? I have trodden the wine press alone, and of the people there is none with me. For I will tread them in my anger and trample them in my fury, and their blood shall be sprinkled upon my garments, and I will stain all my raiment. For the day of vengeance is in my heart, and the year of my redeemed has come. And I looked, and there was none to help, and I wondered that there was none to uphold. Therefore my own arm brought salvation unto me, and my fury it upheld me. And I will tread down the people in my anger, and make them drunk in my fury, and I will bring down their strength to the earth. So this right here, we have to recognize this is all on the same day. The day of vengeance in my heart, the year of my redeemed is come. So it's going to be a really bad day for a lot of people, and it's going to be a really good day for probably a small group of people. So here in the same time now, switching over, I will mention the loving kindness of Yahuwah and the praises of Yahuwah according to all that Yahuwah has bestowed on us and the great goodness towards the house of Israel, which he has bestowed on them according to his mercies and according to the multitude of his loving kindnesses. For he said, surely they are my people, children that will not lie. So he was their savior and all their affliction. He was afflicted and the angel of his presence saved them in his love and in his pity. He redeemed them. And he bare them and carried them all the days of old. That's our awesome Messiah. He's our high priest. He's our high priest that bears our names on his shoulder and took care of us and still taking care of us today. Deuteronomy 1, 30-31, Yahweh Elohim, which goes before you, he shall fight for you according to all that he did for you in Egypt before your eyes and in the wilderness where you have seen how that Yahweh, your Elohim, bare you as a man does bear his son and all the way that you went until you came into this place. He still bears us today, brothers and sisters. First Peter 5, 6-7 Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of Elohim, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon, an, upon him, for he cares for you. He's carrying the burden, right? It says right here, and Ahron, or let's just say uh, Yahusha, the high priest, shall bear the names before Yahuwah upon his two shoulders for a memorial. So he, he bears, well, we know that he bore our sins upon the cross. We have the ability to, um, to, to speak to the Most High through the name of Yahushua, our high priest, and that we can cast all of our care upon him because he cares for us. Hebrews 4, 14 through 15, and this is how we know that he can bear us. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Yahusha, the son of Elohim, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. So he gets us. He understands. He's walked this walk. He's put himself in human flesh and felt it. He's felt the hot, the cold, the pain, the sorrow. Everything. The heavy weight of a burden. He understands. So all I can say is praise be to Yah. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 29. Talking about, and again, just holding us up. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The prerequisite here is the people that are that labor, that work. And then it's maybe talking about, you know, working just, you know, to feed your family. But I think this is laboring for the kingdom. And are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest under your souls. Our great high priest that bears us up. Hallelujah. But also we can't we can't just imagine that he puts us on his shoulders and 
he does all the work for us. And because that's kind of like mainstream Christian doctrine is that, um, you know, he, he kept the law so that we don't have to, he, he did all the hard work so that we don't have to. There's a really good passage in the book of the Nazarene, uh, chapter eight, verse 44. I'd like to read with you really quickly. It kind of explains this, the disinherited, the disinherited means like the, the rejects, the, 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 those that are cast out. Uh, lowly among the people. The disinherited say, all things will change when Yahweh wills it. But I tell you, the father will not do the work of his sons. That's why Messiah just said, all you that labor, right? The deliverer or the Messiah comes to take men to their places of labor and will ease their burdens there. But he cannot undertake the whole of the task. He will initiate the rule of the kingdom of Elohim, but cannot force it upon men. He will teach them to judge the underprivileged justly and to deal harshly with the arrogant. The rich will be less rich and the poor less poor. He will point the feet of men towards the path of perfection, but cannot carry them along it. So although we saw all those amazing passages that he bears us, he cares for us, that he lifts us up, all these great things, but he can't just like, carry us the whole way where we just don't do anything and we're like "Ah, okay i believe in you and now you just do all the work for me no so again he will point the feet of men toward the path of perfection but cannot carry them along it anyways just i don't know i thought that that was just made a whole lot of sense to me so but nevertheless the point is i think it's just awesome that he does hold us up. He does pick us up back on our, put us on our feet, uh, which that reminds me of, um, that reminds me of, uh, Psalm 40, uh, Psalm 40. I waited patiently for Yahuwah and he inclined unto me and heard my cry. So like, save me, help me, deliver me. How many of, how many of you have been in a place where you're just like, Oh, Yahweh, just, you know, help me. If you're, you know, deliver me, please. I need, I need you. So he heard my cry. He all, he brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. So he picked us up and put our feet upon the rock. And we know that that rock, that foundation is Messiah and established my goings. So praise be to Yah for sending his son, Yahusha, who is that rock and is the one that bears us but can't doesn't carry us across the finish line, right? He gets us back up on our feet and puts us in the way, and we've got to walk like he walked. We have responsibilities. We have to put the effort forth. I've said this many times before, right? You know, we put forth effort. Hopefully, we'll put forth put forth effort towards our spouses, our kid, our children, uh, work, um, hobbies, whatever. Well, we've got to, even more so in a, in a much greater way. We've got to put forth the effort in this walk. All right, let's get back. Uh, I'm, I'm done preaching here. Well, I guess I'm not, but Exodus uh, 28, 13. And you shall make ouches of gold and two chains of pure gold at the ends of wreathen work shall you make them and fasten the wreathen chains to the ouches. And you shall make the breastplate of judgment with cunning work. After the work of the ephod shall you make it of gold, of blue and of purple and of scarlet and of fine twine linen shall you make it. Four square it shall be being doubled a span shall be the length thereof and a span shall be the breadth thereof and you shall set it in settings of stones even four rows of stones the first row shall be a sardius a topaz a carbuncle this shall be the first row 
The second row shall be an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. This is a, really an incorrect translation. Looking at the Septuagint and looking at the Aramaic, um, this should actually be more like a jasper or an onyx. You'll learn more about that here in a second. And the third row, a ligure, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, and an onyx, and a jasper. They shall be set in gold in their closings. And the stone shall be with the names of the children of Yashrael, twelve according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Everyone with his name shall they be according to the twelve tribes. And so this is kind of what it would look like. Beautiful. I don't know about you. I love rocks, especially these rocks that are have been, you know, crafted to be beautiful and glistening and all that yummy stuff. So real quick, um, I did mention that diamonds should be like Jasper or Onyx, which is kind of redundant because it mentions Jasper or Onyx. But just real quick, the Septuagint says Sardius, Topaz, Emerald, Carbuncle, Sapphire, Jasper, Ligure, Agate, Amethyst, Chrysolite, Beryl, and Onyx. Uh, the Targums of the Aramaic says Carnelian, Topaz, Carbuncle, Smaragd, Sapphire, Chalcedony, Ligure, Agate, Amethyst, Crystallite, Onyx, and Jasper. I, the, the one thing I do know is it's not diamond. And uh, those of you that have seen um, the uh, Precious Stones video, um, which is just amazing, um, I, I think we'll play it today, aren't we? Do I, I think I have that up here. Um, it's just amazing to see the... Uh, actually, we'll look for it right now. I think I've got it up here. Um... So anyways, I'm looking for it right now. So um, what's amazing about this is you'll see that the stones on the breastplate match the stones from the, um, the stones on New Jerusalem. And there's something special about these stones. And I'm, I'm really excited to share that with you. Let's see here. It was in our Revelation live streams. And here we go. Gemstones. I think this is the right one. All right, here we go. I'll see you guys in just a few minutes. If you have seen this before, I, I, I pray that it still blesses you. If you haven't seen this, get ready. New Jerusalem, it said, is built made up of 12 precious stones that we would make into jewelry now. Now, here's the fascinating thing, which to me is the final proof that that book is the word of God, that it must be God-inspired. In the last generation only, we've discovered how to make purer light than we had before. Most light is bouncing around, waves crashing into each other, going in all directions, so that the light coming from that spotlight still lights this side of my face by reflecting off that, that tinsel up there. Um, we're used to light coming at us from all directions. But we've now discovered how to send light in one direction. Laser light is the most common. You've seen laser light beams straight as a die. But we've also got what we call cross-polarized light. A polarized filter, if you can imagine, allows light through like that. But if you put another polarized filter at right angles to that, you've really got a very fine filter. If you take sunglasses, and take one lens and put it at right angles to the other, it goes even darker. It only lets very straight light through. Now, people have taken jewels and precious stones and 
cut a very thin slice for microscopic purposes and then shone cross-polarized light through them to see what happens, to put it very crudely, what happens to these precious stones in pure light. And one of two entirely different things happens with every jewel. The technical term, to give you a bit of science for a moment, is anisotropic jewels and isotropic jewels. Now what happens is this, some jewels in pure light whatever their color to begin with, they may be red, blue or green, turn into all the colors of the rainbow and the most fantastic patterns. Other precious stones in pure light lose all their color, just go black, look like a lump of coal dust. And it's only in the last, this generation that people have discovered this unusual property. For example, diamonds, in pure light and nothing. Did you get that, ladies? They're not even... that? Diamonds, nothing. nothing. They won't be there. <laughs> no, so make the most of them here. <coughs> Rubies, uh, garnets, just lose everything. Emeralds? No, they keep it. Oh, good. There are other stones that are anisotrope. We can go into these beautiful colors. Now, here's the fascinating thing. The 12 precious stones that God uses to build the new Jerusalem are all anisotropic. In pure light, they are all far more beautiful. And God doesn't touch the diamonds or the rubies. He doesn't build with them. Now, let's just put on the screen a picture of these stones. Yeah. Look at the top 12 stones on this picture and you'll see the stones of the New Jerusalem. Look at the four bottom ones at the bottom of the picture and you'll see they're black, no attraction, whatever. Now then, who knew this 2,000 years ago? No scientist knew it, nobody knew it. John the Apostle writing the, down the book of Revelation as the Lord dictated it to him, he didn't know. Nobody knew except one person in the entire universe, and he knew, and that was God himself. Where is that written exactly? Revelation 21, right. halfway through, and you'll find all the 12 stones listed there. And you can just imagine from the picture we've seen on the screen how beautiful the new Jerusalem is going to be. No need for do-it-yourself decoration or changing rooms there. No need. The materials that God uses will be fabulous. From verse 19, 21 right. verse 19. Read them out. Uh, the first foundation was jasper. Yeah. The, uh, the, the second, sapphire. The third, chalcedony. The fourth, emerald. The fifth, sardonyx. The sixth, uh, carnelian. The seventh, chrysolite. The eighth, beryl. The ninth, topaz. The tenth, Chrysoprase, or chrysoprase, chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, and the twelfth, uh, the twelfth amethyst. No diamonds, no rubies, no garnets, because they're and they're isotropic. Mm. Now, isn't that amazing? To me, that one thing alone would prove that the Bible was inspired by God, because nobody could have known this. They didn't know it until our generation. Oh man, I don't know how many times I have seen that, but I just get like jazzed up, jazzed up, 
what does that even mean? I get excited each time uh, I hear that. I, I, I don't know. And so just thinking about Messiah coming with his kingdom, right? Revelation 22, 10, it says, um, that's definitely not the verse I was looking for. I think it's at 12. Yeah. And behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give every man according to his work shall be. And I believe that a big part of his reward is the kingdom. I believe Messiah is going to come down with his kingdom when he returns. I know there's some disagreement with that. But if you think about those stones, uh, you know, so let's actually look at Revelation 21 real quickly. Revelation 21, he just read it there, but um, the building of the wall was of jasper. The city was pure gold, like unto clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, second sapphire, third cal. So we we looked at all these. These match, even though there's like one or two that doesn't match what the breastplates say. I've looked into this. It's because of just thousands of years and time and language have kind of changed what some of these say but they match up they match up the what the what what is located on the breastplate is the same thing as what's on um the the building of new jerusalem so what's interesting interesting is if this pure light that shines through these gemstones create all the colors of the rainbow isn't messiah the light and won't he be coming down shining think about that for a second Revelation 10, and I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud. Remember, Messiah is going to return with the cloud. We know that. And a rainbow was upon his head. Why is that? Is it perhaps maybe he's coming down with his kingdom? And if Messiah shines the light, would it not be like a massive rainbow? And his face was as it were the sun, his feet as pillars of fire. And we know this is Messiah because right here, and he had in his hand a little book open, which only the lamb could open up. And he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. Anyways, uh, and it says here, and he cried with a loud voice as when a lion roars. I mean, really, who is this? This is obviously Messiah. So I just thought it was cool. I was always wondering this rainbow above his head. And in learning about what we just learned about with the pure light shining through in New Jerusalem having these stones, well, what's, gonna, what's that going to look like when Messiah shines that pure light with New Jerusalem coming down? So just thought it was really, really interesting. Um, and so we went on a little uh, little um, <laughs> rabbit trail here with the stones, but I just, I thought that was just amazing. Um, and I just can't get enough of it every single year. And thinking about the stones, and we know, we, we, so we know that the names on his shoulders represented the, the tribes. And we know that each of these names or each of these stones is for one of the tri- 12 tribes of Israel. And we'll learn here in a second that that, you know, is on his heart, that this is not the breastplate. It's supposed to be on his heart, the people on his heart. Well, even furthermore, we know that, well, let's just read here. Isaiah 49, 14 through 18. This is all about New Jerusalem. But Zion said, New Jerusalem said, Yahweh has forsaken me and my master has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her suckling child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb? Yeah, it's possible they may forget, yet I will not forget you. Behold, I have graven you upon the palms of my hands. Your walls are continually before me. This is why New Jerusalem is that stone cut without hands. This is a kingdom that we see in um, Daniel 2, the stone that comes and breaks all of the nations, it shatters all the nations. Uh, And also we see in the book of Baruch, I think chapter... Maybe, I don't remember what chapter it is in 2nd Baruch. One of the first six chapters, it talks of that, that this kingdom, this this building, New Jerusalem, that's 
kept and reserved in the heavens is that uh, is this building that's cut without hands, without human hands. That is, your children shall make haste, your destroyers and you and they that make you waste shall go forth from you. Lift up your eyes round about and behold, all these gather themselves together and come to you. This is this is New Jerusalem's children. As I live, says Yahuwah, you shall surely clothe thee with them all as with an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. So these are his people are literally like these stones that become attached to this building. And so once again, these stones represented the children of Israel. We see here that New Jerusalem is going to deck herself with Yah's people, the children, as stones. First Peter 2.5 says, You also, as lively or living stones, are built up a spiritual house. We're, and I say we, if, if we are Yah's people and he has accepted us and we're walking in his way and he, and he chooses us, we will be one of his stones. Exodus 19.5. We read about this a couple Torah portions ago. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all the people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Right? But here what's interesting is when you look at that, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me. Uh, I want to share that with you. If we look at the Hebrew here for peculiar treasure, right here, this word, Segula, peculiar treasure, special, a jewel, right? Possession or property, valued property, peculiar treasure, treasure. Um, from an unused root to mean shut up, wealth as closely shut up, a jewel. Literally his, his stones. I don't know. To me, that seems really special. And I don't know about you, but I would love to be right here on the breastplate of our Messiah, like on his heart, symbolically, of course. I'm not saying I want to be this gemstone right here, but I'm just saying figuratively, spiritually, to be on the heart, the breastplate of our amazing high priest. So again, back to Exodus 28, 21, and the stone shall be with the names of the children of Yashrael, 12, according to their names, like the engravings of a signet, every one with his name shall they be according to the 12 tribes. And you shall make upon the breastplate chains at the ends of wreathen work of pure gold. And you shall make upon the breastplate two rings of gold and shall put the two rings on the two ends of the breastplate. Uh, they don't really show that here in this. And you shall put the two wreathen chains of the gold in the two rings which are on the ends of the breastplate. And the other two ends of the two wreathen chains you shall fasten in the two ouches and put them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod before it. And you shall make two rings of gold and you shall put them upon the two ends of the breastplate in the border thereof which is in the side of the ephod inward. And two other rings of gold shall you make it and shall put them on the two sides of the ephod underneath toward the forepart thereof over against the other coupling thereof above the belt of the ephod and they shall bind the breastplate by the rings thereof unto the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue that it may be above the belt of the ephod and that the breastplate be not loosed from the ephod now Haron shall bear the names of the children of Yashrael in the breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goes into the holy place for a memorial before Yahweh continues. So, so we saw earlier, again, the names are to be on his shoulders, bearing them up, and the names of the children of Israel on the breastplate, which is, again, on his heart, upon his heart. 
Think about that for a second. And just, you know, if we're on his heart, what does that mean? He loves us. And if this is supposed to be like a, a relationship, a covenant, a marriage, if you will, well, it's a two-way street. He's already put his love out there for us. Are we putting it back for him? Jeremiah 31.3, Yahuwah has appeared of old unto me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn you. He's like, come to me. Come. Deuteronomy 7, 6-15, For you are a holy people unto Yahweh Elohim. Excuse me. Yahweh Elohim has chosen you to be a special people unto himself, above all that are upon the face of the earth. Yahweh did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. And I don't know about you. I think uh, people that, that walk in faith uh, of, of the Most High through his Son and have obedience to the Torah, boy, I don't know if that's that's got to be one of the smallest people still on this earth right now. Even though it's growing, I mean, really, how big are we? But because Yahweh loved you and because he would keep the oath which he has sworn unto your fathers, has Yahweh brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And I just want to pause real quick. You know, this is not some like high and mighty thing like, oh, we're, ha, we're the chosen, we're the special. But he himself says many are called if you are chosen. So many are going to call upon him for salvation. Many are going to call him Lord, Lord, or Master, Master. And many, he says, Many, he'll say, I, I never knew you. And it says, few be there that find the narrow gate. That he says it himself. So it's not me being like elitist and be like, ha, we're the ones, we're the chosen ones and no one else. That's not what I'm saying because that's what, how people think we think. But that's not how we think, nor should we think. Messiah himself says very few are going to make it. And I don't know about you, that puts a fire in my tail section. It's like, I don't, I want, I don't know, I, I is that wrong? I want to be called and chosen? Is it wrong that I want to be his special treasure? Is it wrong that I want to be on his shoulder? I want to be on his heart? And for, I don't know about you, that lights a fire in me. That's like, well, maybe that fire they were talking about that comes from the, the candlestick, right? I want to do this and I want to do it for real. I don't want to just play church. I don't want to just wear these seat seat and be like, you know, part of this growing fad and be like, yeah, I keep Torah. And like, just do it, you know, face value. I don't want to be a, a Pharisee that just, it's all about the outward appearance. I don't know about you. I really want to do this. So you're like, Adam, that's why we're here listening to this Torah portion. All right. I get it. All right. Know therefore that Yahweh Elohim, he is Elohim, the faithful Elohim, which keeps covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. So that he says right here, those that keep covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments. So he's telling us that's how we love him back. Sure, it's great, I'm sure, to sing to him and dance to him because y'all love that with David. But how many people sing and dance to him and don't keep his commandments? I'm not judging them, but man, let's, let's just continue to be a light to these people and repay them that hate them to their face to destroy them. He will not be slack to him that hates him. He will repay him to his face. You shall therefore keep the commandments and the statutes and the judgments, which I command you this day to do them. Wherefore, it shall come to pass, if you hearken to these right rulings, these judgments, and keep them and do them, that Yahweh Elohim shall keep 
unto you the covenant and the mercy which he swear unto your fathers. And he will love you and bless you and multiply you. He will also bless the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your land and your corn and your wine and your oil, the increase of your kind and the flocks of your sheep and the land which he swore unto your fathers to give to you. You shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your cattle. And Yahweh will take away from all you sickness and will put none of the evil diseases of Egypt which you knew upon you, but will lay them upon all them that hate you. And you'll see here that nothing's changed in the quote-unquote New Testament. We'll see this love. We'll see this commandments, the same thing, bearing fruit. We know that uh, Psalm 1, hopefully you guys have taken the challenge of Psalm 1. Blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the Torah of Yahuwah, and in his Torah does he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked shall not stand in the judgment, nor the sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For Yahweh knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the sinners shall perish. The point of, of, of knowing that psalm is that the root of it shows us what the fruit is he's looking for. So if we are a plant or a tree, that fruit he's looking for is obedience. And as some have wisely said before, our faith is the root and our obedience is the fruit. If we have don't have real faith, we're not going to have real deep roots and we're going to be blown away and you're gone. That's why you see people come up and they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, Messiah, Torah, um, you know, whatever, whatever. And then like a couple weeks later, they're like, yeah, never mind. You know, I'm out. That's because they had no root. So anyways, point is, is that the fruit, that's the definition of what we're going to see here. John 15, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That's why there's the affliction and the troubles and whatnot. That's part of the purging, the refinement. And it's just, it's supposed to help you bear more fruit. Now, some people get offended. They're like, ah, oh, I came to Messiah and repented and got baptized and I'm keeping the commandments. I'm keeping the Sabbath. Now, why has my life just gotten harder? I'm out. That's people falling away and being cut off. Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide. So live in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine, no more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. But with him we can do everything. That's what Paul says, and I agree. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them, and cast them into a fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Continue you in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide my love. So you'll see here, there's nothing has changed from the book of Deuteronomy. The Messiah came to renew what was already known, and to shed more light on more truth. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. 
greater love has no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knows not what his master does. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Praise be to Yahuwah. All right. So we got off on a tangent there. So we're on Messiah's heart. That's a good thing. I don't know about you, but I want our amazing high priest to, I want our, mind, our names to be on his breastplate of judgment upon his heart when he goes into the holy place for a memorial before Yahweh continually. And you shall put the breastplate of judgment, the Urim and the Tumim, and they shall be upon Ahron's heart when he goes in before Yahuwah. And Ahron shall bear the judgment of the children of Yashrael upon his heart before Yahuwah continually. And again, once again, our high priest bearing our judgment. We know that, but let's just read, let's, let's remind ourselves. Isaiah 53, the forbidden chapter in Judaism. Ooh. Who has believed our report? And to whom is the arm of Yahuwah revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. It is interesting that Aramaic actually kind of says the opposite, that when people see him, they're like, whoa, who's this guy? He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our grief. So here he is bearing our stuff again. Carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of Elohim, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. So, again, he bears the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before Yahuwah continually, like a good high priest would. All right. Uh, Exodus 28, 31, And you shall make the robe of the ephod of all blue, and there shall be a hole in the top of it. In the midst thereof, it shall have a binding of woven work round about the whole of it, as it were the hole of a habergeon that it be not rent. And beneath, upon the hem of it, you shall make pomegranates of blue, and of purple, and of scarlet, round about the hem thereof, and the bells of gold between them about round about. A golden bell and a pomegranate, a golden bell and a pomegranate upon the hem of the robe round about. And it shall be upon Aharon to minister, and his, his sound shall be heard when he goes in unto the holy place before Yahuwah, and when he comes out, that he die not. And you shall make a plate of pure gold, and grave upon it, like the engravings of a signet, Kodesh Yahuwah, holiness unto Yahuwah, which would actually be uh, right here. It would be right on the forehead. And so with that, it reminded me, you know, if the name of Yahuwah on the forehead, of course, reminds me of the 144,000. Then I looked and lo, on Mount Sion stood a lamb and with him 144,000 who had his father and it, had his name and his father's name written on their foreheads. And of course, you know, Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9, we read here that the commandments themselves is upon the forehead and the hand, much like in a opposite way of the mark of the beast, which is also in the head and the forehand. So it's like, what's really going on here? I believe that there's just a separation. You're either in Yahuwah's kingdom or you're out. You're either marked by Yahuwah or you're marked by the beast. Like there's no in between. I don't, I don't believe this has anything to do with anything sticking in your body or whatever. And I know that, you know, really goes against what a lot of people believe, especially with what's happened the last couple of years. And I really believe it comes down to your obedience. You're either obedient to Yah 
or you're not. And disobedience comes in many different forms. It comes in atheism. It comes in Buddhism. It comes in uh, Taoism. It comes in all these different forms. Satanism, whatever. And it also comes in, well, what looks like to be packaged Christianity, but, you know, basically disobeying all his commands. Now, we should be long-suffering with these people. We should be long-suffering with everyone, with Buddhas, with everyone. They've been misled. And we, because he's shown us these things, we don't keep these to ourselves. We should be sharing. We should be outreaching. You know, <clears throat> this is the truth. You really want to follow the truth. If you really want um, everlasting life, if you don't, then hey, this is your lot. You get your life and that's it. But if you want to have everlasting life, there is only one way. There is not many, many roads to salvation. There's one. Because now, you know, even Christianity is molding into this new agey stuff. That, oh, there's many roads. That's not true. There's one road. And that one road is faith and obedience. Faith in the Most High through His Son. That He died on the cross for us and that by His stripes we are healed. That He is our atonement for our sins. And that we are instructed to walk as He walked. We just read it in John. This is not some Old Testament thing. We just read it in John. People that don't bear fruit are cut off and burned. This is serious business. This is not some game. Second Esdras, just in case you're new, Second Esdras is, uh, uh, was included in the 1611 KJV under the Apocrypha section. Second Esdras 2, 38-40, Rise and stand and see at the feast of Yahuwah the number of those who have been sealed. Those who have departed from the shadow of this age have received glorious garments from Yahuwah. Take again your full number, O Zion, and conclude the list of your people who are clothed in white, who have fulfilled the law, the Torah of Yahuwah. His doctrine is really, really simple, but men have made it uh, very confusing. So back to Exodus 28, 37. And you shall put it on a blue lace that it may be upon the turban, upon the forefront of the turban it shall be. And it shall be upon Aharon's forehead that Aharon may bear the iniquity of the holy things, which the children of Yashrael shall hallow in all their holy gifts. And it shall be always upon his forehead that they may be accepted before Yahuwah. And he shall embroider the coat of fine linen. You shall make the turban of fine linen. You shall make the belt of needlework. And for Aharon's sons, you shall make coats. And you shall make for them belts and bonnets. You shall make for them for glory and for beauty. So not just the high priest is supposed to look cool, awesome, also the, the priests themselves. And you shall put them upon Aharon your brother and his sons with him, and shall anoint them and consecrate them and sanctify them, that they minister unto me in the priest's office. So in thinking about that, we know in Revelation it says that he has made us kings and priests unto him. Um, you know, whether whether that means each individual is a king and a priest, or some people will be designated for kings or priests, whatever. But I mean, what do you think those garments are going to look like? What do you think that fine linen, white linen is going to look like? Do you think it's just going to be like a sheet, you know? Or do you think it's going to be like, I think it's going to be snazzy. And I don't know about you, I'd like to have one. And you shall make them linen breeches to cover their nakedness from the loins even unto the thighs they shall reach. And they shall be upon Aharon and upon his sons when they come into the tabernacle of the assembly or when they come near into the altar to minister in the holy place that they bear not iniquity and die. It shall be a statute forever unto him and his seed after him. All right, let's go right into 29. And I think we're going to read, uh, I think we're just going to read through 29 and then uh, I want to talk about um, Hebrews 8 and 9 where 
again, as we mentioned earlier, as I mentioned earlier, excuse me, <clears throat> that um, everything that Moshe was instructed to make was a copy of what's in, in the heavenlies. And that's kind of cool when you think about it. Exodus 29, And this is the thing that you shall do unto them to hallow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and matzah and matzah cakes tempered with oil, and matzah wafers and anointed with oil. Of wheat and flour shall you make them, and ye shall put them into one basket and bring them in the basket with the bullock and the two rams. And Aharon and his sons shall you bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the assembly and shall wash them with water. And you shall take the garments and put upon Aharon the coat and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastplate and gird him with the belt of the ephod. And you shall put the turban upon his head and put the holy crown upon the turban. And you shall take the anointing oil and pour it upon his head and anoint him. And you shall bring his sons and put coats upon them. You shall gird them with belts, Aharon and his sons, and put the bonnets on them. And the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. And you shall consecrate Aharon and his sons. And you shall cause a bullock to be brought before the tabernacle of the assembly. And Aharon and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the bullock. And you shall kill the bullock before Yahuwah by the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. You shall take of the blood of the bullock and put it upon the horns of the altar with your finger. And pour all the blood beside the bottom of the altar. You shall take all the fat that covers the inwards, the caul that is above the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, and burn them upon the altar. But the flesh of the bullock and his skin and his dung shall you burn with fire without the camp. It is a sin offering. You shall also take one ram, and Aharon and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. And you shall slay the ram, and you shall take his blood and sprinkle it round about upon the altar. You shall cut the ram in pieces and wash the inwards of him and his legs and put them into his pieces and unto his head. And ye shall burn the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto Yahuwah. It is a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. You shall take the other ram, and Aharon and his sons shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. Then shall you kill the ram, and take of his blood, and put it upon the tip of the right ear of Aharon, and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of the right hand, and upon the great toe of the right foot, and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. So it's interesting, uh, real quick, just says the, the tip of the ear, tip of the thumb and the foot so you think it's like you know you're, you're hearkening you're listening you're hearkening into yahuwah of course the thumb represents the hand your, your work uh which which your actions and of course your feet kind of, kind of walking in the way just something little you need to, need to think about and you shall take of the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkled upon Aharon and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him and he shall be hallowed, and his garments, and his sons, and his sons' garments with him. And he shall take of the ram the fat and the rump, and the fat that covers the inwards, and the call above the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat that is upon them, and the right shoulder, for it is a ram of consecration. We'll be talking more about this when we get into Leviticus, why certain organs are taken. And one loaf of bread, and one cake of oiled bread. Oiled bread. I don't know about you, that sounds yummy right now. I, you know, we used to go to, back in the day, used to go to Italian restaurants and they had the, the bread and they had the olive oil with the spices, like oiled bread. Yummy. Sorry. Doesn't, I'm sorry. 
uh, and one loaf of bread and one cake of oiled bread and one wafer out of the basket of the matzah that is before Yahuwah. And you shall put all in the hands of Yahron and in the hands of his sons and shall wave them for a wave offering before Yahuwah. And you shall receive them of their hands and burn them upon the altar for a burnt offering, for a sweet savor before Yahuwah. It is an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. And you shall take the breast of the ram for, of Ahron's consecration and wave it for a wave offering before Yahuwah, and it shall be your part. And you shall sanctify the breast of the wave offering and the shoulder of the heave offering, which is waved, which is heaved up of the ram of consecration, even that of which is for Ahron and of that which is for his sons. And it shall be Ahron's and his sons by a statute forever from the children of Yashrael. For it is a heave offering, and it shall be a heave offering from the children of Yashrael of the sacrifice of their peace offerings, even their heave offering unto Yahuwah. And the holy garments of Ahron shall be his sons after him, to be anointed therein, to be consecrated in them. And that son that is high, I'm sorry, and that son that is priest in his stead shall put them on seven days when he comes into the tabernacle of the assembly to minister in the holy place. And ye shall take the ram of the consecration and seed his flesh in the holy place. And Aharon and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of the assembly. And they shall eat those things wherewith the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But a stranger shall not eat thereof because they are holy. And if Ought or any of the flesh of the consecrations or of the bread remain into the morning, then he shall burn the remainder with fire. It shall not be eaten because it is holy, much like the Passover lamb. And thus shall you do unto Aharon and his sons, according to all things which I have commanded you. Seven days shall you consecrate them. And you shall offer every day a bullock for a sin offering for atonement. And you shall cleanse the altar when you have made an atonement for it. And you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and it shall be an altar most holy. Whatsoever touches the altar shall be holy. Now this is that which you shall offer upon the altar, two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. The one lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at evening. And with the one lamb a tenth deal of flour mingled with the fourth part of a hin of beaten oil, and the fourth part of a hin of wine for a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at evening, and shall do thereto according to the meat offering of the morning, and according to the drink offering thereof, for a sweet savor, an offering made by fire unto Yahuwah. This shall be a continual burnt offering throughout your generations, at the door of the tabernacle of the assembly before Yahuwah, where I will meet you, to speak there unto you. And there I will meet with the children of Yashrael, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. And I will sanctify the tabernacle of the assembly, and the altar, I will sanctify also both Aharon and his sons to minister to me in the priest's office. I will dwell among the children of Yashrael and will be their Elohim. And they shall know that I am Yahweh Lahaikim, that brought them forth out of the land of Mitzrayim, that I may dwell among them. I am Yahweh Lahaikim. So, you know, as we've said before, when we're looking at these Torah portions, we're looking directly at, of course, spiritual significance and what we can directly apply to our lives today. We know that we're in a time where Messiah has come and given that offering once and for all for sins for us. And I want to read um, Hebrews. We're going to read some of Hebrews, some of 8 and all of 9. So think of everything we've kind of read the last really the last two portions with the building of the tabernacle and the altar and the, the vessels and the spoons and the dishes and the, and the, um, the ark and the priest's garments and everything. 
let's read this from uh, from uh, from Hebrews. Hebrews 8. Now of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum or the summary. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle, which Yahuwah pitched and not man. For every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices, wherefore it is of necessity that this man have somewhat also to offer. For if we, he, if, I'm sorry, if he were here on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the Torah, who serve unto the example and a shadow of heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of Elohim when he was about to make the tabernacle. For see, said he, that you make all things according to the pattern showed you in the mount. But now has he obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then should no place have been sought for the second. Now, when you read that, you're like, well, what was wrong with the covenant? But it says right here, for finding fault with them, with the people, he said, behold, the days come, says Yahweh, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Let's go down now to Hebrews 9. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made, the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had the manna and Aharon's rod that budded and the tables of the covenant and over it, the cherubims of glory shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak particularly because it was uh, buried years ago, years before that. Now, when these things were thus ordained, the priests went always into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of Elohim. But into the second went the high priest alone once every year, not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the errors of the people. The Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscious. And this is a very important uh, point that we spoke about a lot last year in Leviticus, and I'm sure we will again this year. But the... You know, when you, when you think about when you sin and you're supposed to bring an animal and you yourself was supposed to slit the throat and the blood is everywhere and it's, it's a really messy thing. If you haven't done that before, it should be life-changing. Um, but I think people got callous to it and they just became repetitious and it never, like the blood of the bull or the goat ever didn't cleanse the conscience, which is actually what Messiah did for us in the spiritual realm. So the so again those those uh, the gifts the sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and cardinal ordinances imposed on them until the time of reformation which is what Messiah did but Messiah being come and high priest of good things to come by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. 
For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Messiah, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to Elohim, Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living Elohim. And for this cause, he is the mediator of the new covenant or renewed covenant that by the means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first testament or covenant, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a covenant is, there also must be the necessity of the death of the testator or the covenant giver. For a testament of, of force... For a testament is of force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator lives. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the Torah, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the, the, the book and to all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which Elohim has enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry, and almost all things are by the Torah purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission." It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Messiah is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, so just shadows of the true, but into heaven itself, and now to appear in the presence of Elohim for us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest enters into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he have often have uh, have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world or the end of the age has he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Messiah was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation so again praise be to yahuwah through his son yahusha that have you know praise be to yahusha that he did these things for us all right last chapter uh 30 i'm just gonna go to verse 10 and we'll finish up here the altar of incense and you shall make an altar to burn incense upon the shittim or acacia wood shall you make it a cubit shall be the length thereof and a cubit the breadth thereof four square shall it be and two cubits shall be the height thereof the horns thereof shall be of the same and you shall overlay it with pure gold the top thereof the sides thereof round about and the horns thereof and you shall make unto it a crown of gold round about and two golden rings shall you make to it under the crown of it by the two corners thereof upon the two sides of it shall you make it and they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal and you shall make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold and you shall put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony before the mercy seat that is over the testimony where i will meet with you and aharon shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresses the lamps he shall burn incense upon it and when aharon likes the lamps at evening he shall burn incense upon it a perpetual incense before yahuwah throughout your generations you shall offer no strange incense thereon, nor burnt sacrifice, nor meat offering. There shall you pour a drink offering thereon. Neither shall you pour the drink offering thereon. Now Haron shall make an atonement upon the horns of it once in a year with the blood of the sin offering of atonements. Once in a year shall I make atonement for it upon it throughout your generations. It is most holy unto Yahuwah. And this is just something I want to check real quick here. Uh, chapter 30. 
Yeah, it says here, and you shall place it, but this is the Aramaic, and you shall place it before the veil which is over the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is upon the testimony, where I will appoint my word to be with you. So, just uh, that's one thing I like, just like about the Aramaic, is you just constantly see uh, how Messiah was the one that was interacting with man since the beginning. So, with that, brothers and sisters, um, the Torah portion is finished. Um, just want to remind you that Pesach is coming up soon. I think we're less than 30 days now. So if you'd like to join us, um, we are camping out in uh, Lebanon, Missouri, the part of the Ozarks of Missouri for nine days. So we're not only going to do the Passover feast together, we're also going to celebrate the entire unleavened bread together. Uh, just rejoicing, music, food, dancing, um, Campfire, late night campfires. It's a great time. If you want to join us, join us. If you can only come part of the time, come part of the time. But I uh, invite you. Would like to meet you. Would like to. Um, would like to Pesach with you. Would like to unleaven bread with you. So if you can come, come. If not, may Yah bless you wherever you go, do your your Pesach. So with that being said, uh, brothers and sisters, let's pray and we'll do a song and we'll finish this Torah portion. Father Yahuwah, we just come before you again in Yahusha's name. Thank you for allowing us to study your word, oh Yah. And we just ask that you would teach us wisdom, that you would put it, your Torah on our hearts, Father, continually that we may walk it out and do it. And we just we know that everything is uh, all praise and all glory to you through your son, Messiah Yahusha. And Father, we just ask that you bless this Shabbat, that we'd have shalom, Father. And um, we just ask you to prepare us for this week uh, coming ahead and prepare us for... Uh, if the trials or any kind of persecutions or anything, Father, uh, we know that these are for our own good, Father, to grow closer to you. And while it may not be pleasant uh, during the time of, of chastening, we know that it is for our own good. And we just thank you so much. In Yahushua's mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Shabbat shalom.